0: I please someone help Hello and welcome into the Fantasy Loners League podcast. As always, this is your host Wolfman27. It is just me today, no special guest, and actually we don't currently have anyone in line to come on the show, so if you're interested just shoot me a message. We can get you scheduled to come on as early as next week for the week 7 recap, which means this must be the week 6 recap. So we're halfway through the fantasy football season already. Man, it flies by. Before we all know it, it's all going to be over, and we just have to appreciate it while it lasts. Right now, we have a steep competition. We do still have an undefeated team in Fonette sitting at the top, but we do have a slew of teams that are three and three or less bottomed out by our two resident Seahawks fans, Adam Jeffrey and JD Gigi. But even then, sitting at 1-5, they still have a shot because the top six teams will make playoffs. And currently, the 5-6 and six teams are sitting at 3-3. Three and three. So they're only two games out, and we still have half a season to go. So anything can happen. Speaking of anything can happen, let's look at the trades that happened this last week. G. Brosa and no sleep tonight. This was a big one. And really interesting to break down. I could see this trade going either way. So let's start with what no sleep tonight gets. He receives wide receiver DJ Shark on the Jaguars. Tight end George Kittle. This is now Kittle's third team, believe it or not. And running back Jordan Howard for the Eagles. And then he sends over to Ambrosa two tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Chris Herndon. Along with Adam Thielen, wide receiver for the Vikings, and Devontae Freeman, running back for the Falcons. So let's just start out looking at the tight ends because this is the key part of this trade and why it happened. Obviously, George Kittle, one of the best tight ends you can get in the league, probably in the top three range. I don't know, that's arguable, but he's definitely up there and he showed it the past two weeks for Giambrosa. And No Sleep Tonight was dealing with Jimmy Graham and Chris Herndon, where Jimmy Graham, even with Devontae Adams out, has been incredibly inconsistent, has shown that he's incredibly old and slow, and he loves dropping a ball that's thrown right to him. It's so great being a Jimmy Graham owner. Have fun with that, Giambrosa. In addition, he gets Chris Herndon, the ever-hyped Jets tight end, but let's not forget He plays for the Jets. Uh, But in reality, we're in a PPR league. We know Darnold likes to target short passes. That's why Jamison Crowder can be valuable. But the problem with Chris Herndon is as soon as he's activated from his suspension, he gets a hamstring injury. He has been activated and I believe is now practicing again. But he's far from a certain thing at tight end, and even then, I still consider him a streaming option rather than uh, plug it in and don't worry about it ever again. So between Jimmy Graham and Chris Herndon, Jim Brosa does have options, but they aren't the prettiest. Uh, But by giving up that pretty option in George Kittle, he does go from having wide receiver DJ Chark to wide receiver Adam Thielen. I would say that by the end of this season, I could see both those wide receivers being in the same tier, which sounds a little bit silly to say now because we've seen a lot out of Adam Thielen, and he's always been a good receiver. But what worries me is because of how that Vikings offense has been running, where they are a run-first team unless otherwise happens, such as a matchup with the Eagles where they can take away the running game and you have to pass. They kind of have to get forced into passing the ball. That's what worries me about Adam Thielen. Whereas on the other side, DJ Chark, yes, he's due for some regression because he had a ton of touchdown catches at the beginning of the season when he was on fire, but he is the clear number one on that team and has chemistry with Minshew. There will be some question marks. When Nick Foles is healthy, does Foles take that starting job? And if so, does Foles start targeting Westbrook instead of Chark? So there's a lot of question marks for both receivers, but both have shown that they can produce. Thielen is the one that's a little bit more proven, so I can see where Giambrosa is coming from that he values him a little bit higher. Then we have Devonte Freeman and Jordan Howard. So Devonte Freeman has been incredibly unexciting to watch, but... Kind of like a Leonard Fournette light that he has so much volume on that team that he's able to produce. Because the guys behind him, Edo Smith, get out of here. Brian Hill, who are you? Exactly. It's just Devontae Freeman in that backfield, and he can catch the ball too, which is great because the Falcons are always playing from behind. So I think going from Jordan Howard, who is in a really murky situation in that Eagles backfield between him, Miles Sanders, and whoever else they want to throw in there, I think it's definitely an upgrade to go to Freeman. Just don't expect him to be scoring as much as he did in week six every week. So then looking at the side for no sleep, he clearly is set at tight end, and he does take a dip at running back here, but he can afford it. He's got Zeke as the RB1 for every week. And Jordan Howard will still be okay. And then DJ Chark is still a very, very startable wide receiver asset. So I think this trade can end up benefiting both sides. And it's really hard to declare anyone a winner right now. But that's all we had for trades on the week. So let's just jump right into the matchup recap. And I'm going to start with the closest game on the week Phonet versus Koi's 302 where Fonet won by just 3.02 points, and he remains undefeated 6-0. He's definitely the team to beat. Yes, he has had a lot of luck on his side, but he's definitely earned those victories. He was the highest scorer on the week this week, so it was an overall low-scoring week for everyone, but not in the case of this matchup, because Koi's put up a lot of points too. So let's just take a look here, starting with, Fonette's side, he also had the defense of the week once again because the Patriots defense is officially cheating. Has a lot in common with the actual team, right, G. Ambrosa? Uh, all jokes aside, New England Patriots defense gets 27 points for Fonette, which is just absurd. And then we had also Matt Ryan, 30.94 points. Great day all around. There really wasn't anyone that disappointed too much. Marvin Jones, was shut down by Jari Alexander on Monday Night Football, but he did enough to make sure that Fonet had that victory put away. But while there's not a ton of super exciting performances on Fonet's side because they're all just more of the solid day variety, there was a lot of huge performances for Koi's 302 as he was the overachiever of the week. He scored way over what he was projected to, and you can see why. Let's start with that wide receiver of the week, Stefan Diggs, who finally decided to show up He got a whopping 40 points on the day Uh, not to be outdone we had curtis samuel also finally had a good day 21.8 points so those two receivers just on their own together were able to put up half of the points that koi scored on the week which means that the rest of the team probably disappointed just a bit. We had Odell get 13.10, which is better than he had been doing, but still not what you want out of Odell. Another disappointing week for Delaney Walker, who is seeing his snaps go down and now is having Tannehill come in at quarterback. Maybe Delaney Walker's not a favorite target anymore either in that case, but that shouldn't be too much of a concern for Coys because guess who's healthy? Hunter Henry. He was unfortunately for Koy's left on the bench but hunter henry had a huge day scoring 26 points and it came just in time because delaney walker is fading fast other than that juju smith did continue to show signs of concern he scored just barely over one point he had one catch for seven yards that's bad but it was with a third string quarterback Hopefully, now he's going into a bye week, Mason Rudolph will be back, and they have a beautiful matchup against Miami. If Juju can't do well in the Miami game, then it's time to panic officially, if you aren't already, which I'm assuming you probably are. The running backs were really disappointing this week. Le'Veon Bell couldn't even break 12 points, but Bell is the workhorse in New York, and he's got a lot of great matchups coming up his way. So where Coise is going to be concerned is, Who's playing behind Bell? He started Ronald Jones, who only got seven points, which is pretty bad considering he had a touchdown. That means he only got 10 yards rushing on the day. He also has Sony Michelle, who has been a perennial disappointment. He had an okay day against the Giants getting 12.3 points, but you would expect more. I think that's definitely a hole Kois is looking to fill. If his receivers can stay on track like they did this week, then Coys will be a force to be reckoned with, but those receivers are also very boomer bust. So as stated before, Phonet undefeated, kois falls to two and four. So he's fallen out of playoff contention as far as week six is concerned. But as I mentioned earlier, he's only one game out of being in that five to six range, and he still has a good shot at making the playoffs. Next, we'll move on to the most anticipated matchup of the week. Giambrosa, also known as Free win versus no sleep tonight, also known as discount win. And the one that lived up to their name this week was no sleep tonight, as Giambrosa takes the victory by just over five points. Giambrosa earned the best manager of the week because he had literally no one else he could start on his bench. Everyone on his bench was either injured or on a bye, or Jameis Winston. So clearly, Brady was the way to go. Can't really not set the perfect lineup in that situation. But meanwhile, no sleep tonight. Received the worst manager of the week award because he had the running back bench warmer of the week in Jamal Williams, who got 21.6 points. And Kirk Cousins vastly outscored Jared Goff, who almost didn't even play. Jared Goff got 1.12 points. You know how hard it is as a quarterback to not even score two points on a game. That is ridiculous. Kirk Cousins had a huge day on his bench, 28.32 points. And the rest of his team did pretty well, actually. So Zeke finally broke 20 points, 23.7. Devonta Freeman, we talked about earlier, had a great game, 25.3 points. Adam Thielen was respectful of 14.7. Cooper Cup did disappoint, kind of coincided right alongside Jared Goff not being able to play football. And then Josh Gordon got hurt for only 1.2 points, which kind of did him in. Kenny Galladay tried to seal the victory on Monday night, which got off to a great start with a huge catch by Kenny Galladay at the very beginning of the game, but ultimately fell short, only getting 14.6. Mason Crosby also got an additional 12 points on Monday Night Football for no sleep tonight. Then on the other side, Giambrosa. Had the great solid start and Tom Brady versus the terrible Giants team. Can't go wrong there. Where you can go wrong are these running backs. So Marlon Mack had the bye week off. So we were putting our trust into Jordan Howard and Joe Mixon. And both of them got 4.9 points. So obviously Jordan Howard's not part of Giambrose's worries anymore. And he'll get Marlon Mack back next week. So running backs hopefully won't be as much of a problem for him in the future. But what was impressive was Golden Tate got 19.2 points against the Patriots. This was impressive because Golden Tate was the only offensive weapon for the Giants that was of any threat. So you figured the Patriots would be able to plan him out of the game, but he had a great debut game for the Giants. And we'll see how that goes going forward when they get more of their pieces back healthy. Giambrosa also had the tight end of the week in the aforementioned George Kittle, who got... A total of 14.3 on the day, and the kicker of the week, Joey Sly, got 15 points. Overall, solid output from Giambrosa to seal that win. Unfortunately, No Sleep will fall to 2-4, and and Giambrosa will be a part of those 3-3 teams we talked about earlier. Let's move forward to another close matchup, this one between myself and Adam Jeffrey who has aptly named his team the perpetual underperformers as they underachieved once more to fall to their fifth straight loss on the season after that huge win in week one. So I'm trying to decide, did Adam Jeffrey jinx himself by naming his team peaked in week one after that first victory? Or did I jinx Adam Jeffrey because I keep saying that he's going to do better and it never comes? Either way, not too sorry about it because it got me the win for this week. But I'll just say it for the record, I still think Adam Jeffery is going to bounce back. He does have the quarterback on the week again with Deshaun Watson blowing up for 31.4 points. Where the disappointment came was nearly everywhere else. So Melvin Gordon for the second week in a row has not lived up to the hype. 6.3 points on the day. Chris Thompson got hurt with turf toe, only three points. DeAndre Hopkins, he had the Falcons last week, the Chiefs this week. He was lined up to finally score big points again. He only gets 12. I don't know what's going on with Hopkins. I did watch that game. It was weird to see him dropping some passes when he never drops passes. Call him DeAndre Dropkins. There you go. That's a new nickname for him. Rename him, motivate him to start doing well. you got to think ahead like that. That's why I renamed Devontae Adams Devonto Adams because of the turf toe. All right, I digress. Anyways, DeAndre Hopkins not looking like himself. They're using him in a weird way. He's still DeAndre Hopkins, still one of the best receivers in the entire league. I still think he's going to have a blow-up game sooner rather than later. And you can say the same about Travis Kelsey, who only got 7.8 points on the day. The touchdowns have not come for Kelsey, but he is still incredibly talented. One of the best options on that offense. The Chiefs have been kind of in a slump, so I expect the Chiefs to get out of that slump. I expect Travis Kelsey to be one of the main beneficiaries of that as well. And between the two of those bouncing back, you're going to see a lot coming from Adam Jeffrey's team. And then if Melvin Gordon can get going, watch out. Not to mention, he'll have Josh Jacobs coming back after the bye week. And Josh Jacobs, we just saw him tear apart the Bears' defense. And Carlos Hyde has looked okay. I mean, as your third running back, you can't complain with Carlos Hyde. He was on the bench for Adam Jeffrey with 17.5 points. But overall, I still think better days are ahead. Alshon Jeffrey had a good game, 18.6 points. So hold tight, Adam Jeffrey. I know you're 1-5, but... You're only two games out of being a playoff contender. If your team can start finally clicking, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw you make it there. On my side of things, my running backs were pretty solid. I started, let's see, Fournette, Lindsay, and Coleman, and all of them didn't do anything spectacular this week, but they did their jobs. 14.8 for Fournette, 14.5 for Lindsay, 13.1 for Coleman. Where it kind of fell apart was my backup receivers. And by backup, I mean my first string receiver, Terry McLaurin, tore it up on the day for 24 points. And then Larry Fitzgerald and Robert Woods were under 10. And to make it worse, my fill-in tight end for Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, only got 1.9 on the day. All of this, of course, due to how awful the Rams looked, as we talked about with Jared Goff earlier. Justin Tucker, as always, had a great day for me with 13 points. Vikings defense surprised me a little bit getting 9 against the Eagles, but um, I've been happy having them around. My bench didn't do too much, which I'm happy with because I feel like I always leave a ton of points on my bench. I was disappointed that Minshew only got me 5.62 on the day, though. Either way, I am happy I was able to move up to 4-2, so I, I'm in the upper echelon of as far as the records are concerned in the league. And then Adam Jeffrey, of course, falls to one and five. So there were a lot of good matchups this week. We saw that again in the matchup with Fisher Sports and JDGG, who JDGG put up a valiant effort here. He only lost by less than 10 points. uh, Where it went right for Fisher Sports, his guy, the GOAT, Kyler Murray, got 28.8 points on the day. Christian McCaffrey did his usual and got 19.7. Uh, Damian Williams is a little bit scary right now. So that is Fisher Sports RB2, and that's going to be his weak spot. You you would think Damian Williams is solid, but they have a full Russian roulette in Kansas City right now. The only reason Damian Williams even got 8.5 points was because he happened to get a touchdown on the day. It's just hard to guess what running back is going to do well and when. It's always good to have a piece of that Chiefs offense, so it's not bad as an RB2 option but I'm sure he wants something a little bit more comfortable in that slot. Uh, Some bad news. Amari Cooper went down with an injury, only got 0.8 for Fisher on the day. Didn't look like it was too bad of an injury. He hasn't been practicing yet. Maybe he misses this week, but I don't expect him out for a very, very long time. Julio Jones returned to a pretty decent day, 14.8 points. Tyree Kill is back, and he made everyone know it. Twenty-two and a half points on the day. Great day for Tyreek. Vance McDonald filling in for Darren Waller did nothing with one point. And Hilleman, the replacement for Galtman, was sitting there in the flex. Only got two and a half points. That was really disappointing. But the Panthers defense came in clutch with 21 points for Fisher Sports to help seal the victory for him. So going forward, Fisher clearly, clearly, clearly has a stacked group of receivers. With Hill, Jones, Cooper, and he's got McCaffrey at running back. It's the running back depth that's the weakness of this team right now, as we could tell since he was starting Hilleman last week. And he does have Chase Edmonds on his bench who did have a decent week we know that david johnson's had some back problems david johnson played had a great game but chase edmonds is still seeing a good amount of work and he showed that with the score so chase edmonds may be able to turn into a flex option for fisher sports or maybe even the running back two on certain weeks he also has frank gore who is not exciting but can fill in in a pinch So, I'm sure that Fisher is out there setting out trades, trying to get another good running back to pair with McCaffrey, but McCaffrey will, more often than not, score enough for two running backs. So, Fisher moves to 5-1, is definitely one of the favorites in this league. Meanwhile, JDGG does fall down to 1-5. He did not have too bad of a day, although... Some really bad news was Will Disley goes down with an Achilles tear, and he's out for the season. So JDGG is looking for a tight end going forward. Chris Godwin had a great day for him, and so did Chris Carson. The two Chrises are the backbone of this team. Chris Carson with the 23.9 points, Chris Godwin with 20.10, and now he'll get Saquon back as early as this week, he was back to full practice. So we could see Saquon back out there, and then you could see JDGG start to make a little bit of a push here, getting that guy back. So we'll see how that goes. Carson Wentz was on his bench for 21.54 points for a small difference between that and Dak Prescott. I'm sure JDGG would have loved to get this one versus Fisher Sports. I know he's JDGG's been really busy, but I'm glad to see he's still putting in an effort and being competitive week in and week out and I do expect better games for him ahead. Next up we got Deep South Thrift versus 404 found where Deep South Thrift has a pretty easy victory here getting 129.34 points to the 97.62 put up by 404 found. So the usual pieces worked out for Deep South Thrift with Lamar Jackson breaking 30 points again I mentioned David Johnson briefly earlier, how he had a good game. He got 25.2. And, of course, the running back of the week, the newly acquired James Conner, got 27.4 points. Tyler Lockett did all right. Emmanuel Sanders did disappoint at just half a point. Michael Gallup was also pretty disappointing, only at 6.8 on the day against the Jets. He does get the Eagles next week, which is a great matchup. And if Amari Cooper does end up missing that game, Michael Gallup might have a big day there. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, The newly acquired Zach Ertz did not do so well for being one of the better tight ends. He only got 5.4 on the day. And Kerryon Johnson did all right, but you would expect him to do better against Green Bay. But it didn't really matter because it all resulted in a way more than enough score to defeat 4-4. found who has been suffering a little bit now due to pat mahomes's regression so pat mahomes again scores under 20 points on the day getting only 19.82 and pat mahomes was one of the big crutches for this team uh, dalvin cook was the other one and he didn't do too hot either against that philadelphia defense only getting 12.4 on the day the thing is these two were still the two best players for four found on the day, even though they disappointed. Everyone else on the team scored less than 12 points, except for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, who managed to put up 14 on the day. So you got to hope that this team starts to bounce back. Brandon Cooks was only at 4.7 on the day. He was... Again, one of the victims of that terrible Rams outing. He does get a good matchup against the Falcons this week, so he may be able to bounce back there. Uh, Tyler Boyd was really disappointing, but he's still going to be a solid receiving option going forward. And Mohamed Sanu, who you thought would be a solid floor play, only gets 4.4 on the day. James White did okay with nine points. But this team is starting to... Regress towards the median, and a lot of that has to do, I think, with getting rid of Tyreek Hill. I'm sure 404Found wishes he still had Tyreek on his team, especially after seeing how he immediately produced once he was healthy. That being said, 404 still sitting at 3-3 three and three here. He still has plenty of weapons where he can be a threat going forward, and he'll definitely be someone that's in play for the playoffs. And, oh boy, I saved this last matchup last because it was quite a stinker. Tedro goes on to win three games in a row now after starting out 0-3, but he wasn't too impressive doing it. He had one of the lower scores on the week, just 103.9 points, but he was able to pull it off because he faced the lowest score on the week, Sam Fran, one week removed from scoring a ton of points. He scores almost a whole hundred points less this week. Only reaching 70.52 on the day. So just a week removed from Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas blowing up. The two combined for less than 20 points. Keenan Allen disappointed again at 4.3. We've seen Keenan Allen do this, though. He has a bunch of blow-up weeks in a row, and then he does nothing for a few weeks, and he blows up again. He's just kind of weird like that. So you would assume Keenan Allen will start to be on the uptrend again. Mark Andrews did all right at 10.9. Better than he had been doing at tight end, at least. But, and Derrick Henry, only 3.8. This was just an ugly game all around for San Fran. He obviously has a lot of potential. We saw it last week when his team blew up. This is just a terrible week where all the stars aligned against him. And I doubt we see... A low scoring performance like this from San Fran again, or at least it'll be very unlikely. San Fran sitting at two and four, so he's still just one game removed from a playoff spot. Tedro sitting at three and three is right in that playoff range now after starting out 0 and three. So good on Tedro. I honestly think the key to winning in this league is making a trade that makes no sense having me criticize that trade, and then all of a sudden, the fantasy gods just to spite me. Let that team do well. So if you want to go ahead and make a, an absurd trade, give me your best player, and then you'll go on and you'll win games. I mean, just ask Tedro, Sg Giambrosa. I mean, it just seems to work. But I did want to bring up regarding that Kittle trade, uh, if we remember, Tedro traded Kittle for... Adrian Peterson, Rex Burkhead, and Nelson Aguilar. Then he promptly dropped Rex Burkhead to make room on his roster because he was over the limit. And then he went on to drop Adrian Peterson. So at this point, that trade is looking like George Kittle for Nelson Aguilar, which is looking even worse than before because it originally looked like he was trying to add some running back depth. I just really want an explanation from Tedro on why he did it or if it was like a misclick or something. I just want to know the thought process. I mean, it, it's working. He's 3-0 and without Kittle. He doesn't need Kittle, apparently. Kittle was probably an inside agent. Tedro found out about it and sh- just shipped him out, and he's been successful ever since. But the reason why I wanted to bring that up again is because it was funny with that Todd Gurley injury. He had no one to play at of running back two because Todd Gurley was sitting, and he had just dropped Peterson, and Adrian Peterson would have been a fine play this week. Instead, he was forced to go and pick up Edo Smith, who only got 0.6 on the day. Uh, didn't matter in the end because Tedro pulled off the victory hopefully for Tedro's sake Gurley's injury isn't too bad he'll be able to play next week but if you're looking for a trade partner and you got a ton of running backs you should head trade Tedro's way because he definitely is hurting for some depth there but anyways that'll do it for the matchups for this week so let's just cover The few waiver claims we had go through this morning before we go, uh, starting with the highest bid for $13, Fonette goes and picks up Darren Fell's tight end for the Texans. So we know that Fonette, while he's undefeated, has been battling some tight end drama. He had Greg Olson and OJ Howard, who both have a bye this week, so he definitely needed to go out and add a tight end. Now, O.J. Howard has clearly been disappointing, and Greg Olson has flashed at least a little bit more than O.J. Howard. He opted to let go of Greg Olson in favor of getting Darren Fells. I don't hate the move, but I do expect there to be some bids for Greg Olson out there because a lot of people are hungry for tight end, and I don't think they'll mind waiting that extra week to get him. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, Next up, Tedro puts in $10 to pick up the Jacksonville Jaguars defense just to ensure that he gets that favorable matchup against the Bengals this week. I like it. Uh, the next highest bid was me. Uh, I was the only one to bid on Philip Dorsett, uh, so I overspent. I just paid $7 to get Dorsett. Uh, we know that Josh Gordon got hurt. The Patriots are kind of depleted at receiver. Philip Dorsett should be healthy enough this week. We've seen him flash a little bit. I thought he was worth adding just for some wide receiver depth. I don't know that I'll put him out there right away because... We've seen Jacoby Myers get some work. We're now hearing Nikhil Harry is getting ready to return once he's eligible. Uh, But for the time being, I don't mind having Philip Dorsett. I think he'll be a nice bye week filler. Speaking of wide receiver fillers, Fisher Sports picks up Alan Lazard for $2. Alan Lazard had a good game against the Lions this past Monday for Green Bay. We, We saw MVS get banged up a little bit before returning. And then Geronimo Allison was concussed out of the game. And, and then we had Shepard commit two turnovers. So ultimately that just resulted in Lazard being the favorite wide receiver on the day for Rodgers. And since he seems to have that rapport with Rodgers, he's definitely worth a flyer here to pick him up. We don't know when Devontae Adams is coming back yet. So I like the move. Then I mentioned a little bit earlier how Nikhil Harry has returned to practice. Fisher Sports goes on to add him for a buck and lastly another move for fisher he adds matt prater in favor of the other kicker named matt matt gay for the bucks and folks that'll do it for week six half of the fantasy season is now in the books before we go i did want to brag a little bit we've got our little bit of daily fantasy side action with me adam jeffrey deep south thrift I was able to win for the third week in a row, so I've been, I've been enjoying that, having some fun with those guys, just having a little bit of extra competition on the side on Sundays. If anyone wants to join us at Through DraftKings. Kings, just ask Adam Jeffrey. He can send you an invite. And once more, if anyone's looking to come on the show – guest with me and recap some of these matchups we get to hear a little bit more about you just shoot me a message so we can find the best time to get you on here i'd like to get as many of you guys on as possible so far we've had Phonet, we've had fisher sports and we've had sam fran we're trying to find a good time for adam jeffrey to come on he's been busy lately but we can expect him soon and other than that See you guys in the chat. Hope to see some more trades coming through. We had a lot going on right before I started recording. A lot of discussion. Nothing ultimately happened. But that means we might have more to discuss next week. Until then, this is your host, Wolfman27, signing off. God, I don't care anyone, anything. Cause I'm so sick of being so lonely. I don't care anyone. Anything, cause I'm so sick of being so moved.